It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook where we post all of our content. And subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 wanted to fly through the introduction because we have momentous news in the history of the Green Bay Packers in the 2019 offseason. The Packers are expected to hire Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur as the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Get your dodgeball jokes ready. Get the gifts ready. Get the memes ready because the Packers are going with LaFleur. And we are here to break it all down all this week, how it happened, why it makes sense, what the concerns are, what the questions are going to be, what happens next, why not Josh McDaniels, why not other candidates. And so I am bringing in a bunch of people to help me break it down. Today, Michelle Bruton from Packers Wire, from Ozzy, from all over the internet. You know her from her time at Cheesehead TV, or you know her from her time at Fansided. She has been everywhere. She is awesome. And she wrote just a few days ago, that Matt LaFleur was the right man for this job. Jason Hershorn is going to join the show later in the week to talk about a little bit of history. Who is Matt LaFleur? How did he get here? What has he done? And what were the reasons that led Green Bay to select him as the next head coach? And then even later in the week, Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly to talk about uh, the Bears, and what happened with their season, to talk a little bit about coaching carousel and to dig into what this means for the Packers and the grand schema of the NFC to to try and hit every possible place that we can when it comes to this head coaching search. But let's start with the basics here. Matt LaFleur is 39 years old, Titans offensive coordinator, first year. And you have to zoom out further than just the last year with the Titans because the numbers obviously were not great, and we'll get to the concerns about that and, and if it is a concern. But I want to I start with something that I think is absolutely vital to the discussion about Matt LaFleur, and that is the central appeal of someone like LaFleur is the experience that he has, the pedigree that he has, the offenses and the coaching staffs that he's been on for someone his age in the NFL, truly remarkable. Cut his teeth in college, was a former quarterback, actually started his career as a receiver, moved to quarterback, played in college, was a pro briefly, but not in the NFL. 
uh, made his way through the college coaching ranks for a little bit, then became a quality control assistant for Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, a Super Bowl winning head coach and a very well-respected offensive mind in the game. He goes to Washington. He's the quarterback's coach for Robert Griffin III's breakout rookie season under Mike and Kyle Shanahan, a Super Bowl-winning head coach and one of the preeminent minds in terms of offense in the NFL. Then when that staff gets dismantled, uh, when Mike Shanahan loses his job, he goes and he's the quarterback's coach for Brian Kelly, one of the top college coaches in all of the nation, and a potential NFL head coach moving forward. He was also the quarterback's coach in Atlanta. When Matt Ryan had his MVP season, when they broke all those records, and when uh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. So you're, you're seeing a trend here. He was also the offensive coordinator for Sean McVay in his coming out party. And in fact, if you go back to his time at Washington, he was the quarterback's coach on that team. Sean McVay was the tight ends coach. And generally speaking, if we're going to order the hierarchy of position coaches on an offense, the quarterback's coach is is deemed a more important, more prestigious position than the tight ends coach. So you're you're getting an idea of the kind of pedigree that this guy has. Then you go to what happened in Tennessee and you say, okay, it wasn't great. And that's true. It wasn't great. 22nd in offensive DVOA, 25th in passing, 12th in rushing. But let's put that into context for a second. Marcus Mariota has, was was never really healthy over the course of the season, had neck and elbow injuries, hurt a nerve in his throwing uh, elbow, and was never the same Blaine Gabbard had to play. Delaney Walker, their best playmaker, their best skill position player, out for the whole season with an ankle injury. Jack Conklin missed half the season uh, with injuries of his own, and Tennessee played one of the hardest schedules in the league. And so there is context here. Remember Mike McCarthy, when he was hired, had the worst offense in football in San Francisco with limited help. Malafleur is coming to an offense that doesn't have the kind of limitations with skill positions. And at the quarterback position, this was Marcus Mariota is going to be on his fifth offensive coordinator coming up. He's had a lot of upheaval and this offense was going to take some time to become incorporated, but there is one statistic that I love from what Tennessee did last year. So NFL Next Gen compiles what they call expected completion percentage. And what they do is they take into consideration things like distance from the line of scrimmage, receiver uh, separation, stuff like that. And you say, okay, what, what would the average quarterback do in these situations? How many? It's basically how many difficult throws does this offense require? Well, the Titans had the highest expected completion percentage in the league last year. The Packers were 27th. And that speaks specifically, in my opinion, to his ability to scheme open receivers. There weren't always on-target throws because of the issues we talked about with um, you know, the, the skill position players, with the offensive line being banged up, and with the, the inconsistent quarterback situation But in terms of creating opportunities for guys, this Titans offense did that. And and you just have to look at the response from guys who know to see that there is a lot of positive reaction to this. Trent Dilfer, who we talked about his discussion with Ryan Russillo on that podcast, he 
could not have been more effusive in his praise. Here's what, what Dilfer said about the hire. Matt LaFleur is Mike McCarthy before McCarthy stopped grinding. Both smart, creative offensively, great pedigree, and strong leadership traits. Most importantly, and this is now in all caps, he will coach Aaron hard. LaFleur is great, learned from Shanahan's at creating free releases for tight ends and receivers. That is that um, spacing and, and scheming guys open that I mentioned before. Space in the secondary and explosive opportunities on action passes by marrying run game receiver splits, shifts, motion, and backfield action. Also, O-line will be more physical. All of that should be music to the ears of Packer fans. I'm sure it was music to the ears of Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekinds because all of those things, the shifts, the the backfield actions, the motions, the receiver splits, the bunch formations, those were all things lacking from the Mike McCarthy offense. And even something as simple as the O-line will be more physical. Well, Well, why does that matter? You look at this offensive line last year, when they were mauling teams in the run game, that was when they were at their best. And so an offensive line wants to play physically. Give them an excuse to play physically, and they will reward you. Here is a tweet from Dan Orlovsky, who played for LaFleur multiple times. I've known the dude for 10-plus years now, played for him twice. I love the hire. Dude's very bright, very creative, knows how to attack defenses, had had great teaching, and the biggest thing, he's going to coach the heck out of 12 and challenge him daily. Even Kirk Cousins who plays in the division, said LaFleur's promotion to head coach reminds me of how lucky I was to work with Coach Shanahan's staff when I entered the NFL. There are now three head coaches, not including Mike Shanahan, that played a role in my development. Can't wait to see Can't wait to see LaFleur out there two times next year. This is a, 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 an upside play for the Packers. And we're gonna, I don't want to focus too much on the Josh McDaniels side of this right now. So I'm not going to. We're going to get into that later. We'll talk about it with Jason. Right now, I want to focus really in on, on what Matt LaFleur is going to bring here. But I think when you, when you read those kinds of things, you get a teacher, you get a coach that is creative, that is steeped in pedigree, and that has a, a, a reputation for demanding the most out of his players. That is what you want from the coach. That is that is checking all the boxes. And that is without some of the red flags about personality and leadership that Josh McDaniels had. So if you're just going to compare apples to apples here, I think what you have to look at is say, okay, if you think they both have a pretty high upside, and I think they do, I think the floor is a little bit higher with McDaniels because he's been there, he has experience. But if you're talking about combustibility, the the bust potential, I think that was that is much higher for McDaniels for non-football reasons, I think from personality standpoints to, you know, whether he wanted more control in the front office or whether um, there was a higher probability and this has been discussed that um, you know, McDaniels given the structure of the Green Bay Packers and the siloed approach from from um, both sides, coaching and personnel, rep- reporting to Mark Murphy that there might be more opportunities for him to undermine the front office, that this is a, a lower-risk approach. And I want to read these two quotes before we get to Michelle about what his philosophy is offensively without getting too technical into the scheme. 
This was from before the season in Tennessee. He said, it's extremely difficult. This is Matt LaFleur talking now. It's extremely difficult to dink and dunk all the way down the field. The defenses are just too good. If you look at it statistically, the teams that are getting chunk plays, the explosive plays, those are the teams that are going to produce more yards and more points. He goes on to say, we are not just going to go out there and run a bunch of plays. We want a system. We want to have a consistency within our offense so our guys get used to running the same types of plays so they can go out and execute and play fast. If you can go out there and eliminate the thinking that's involved, eliminate the gray, where they can just go out and play fast, I think you have a much better chance for success. If that sounds like Mike Patton and what he said before this season in terms of just wanting to go out and play fast, it should. It sounds like one of the reasons that this was such a good fit for the Packers is Patton was one of the names LaFleur put forward as a potential defensive coordinator on her on his staff, and the Packers clearly were interested in bringing Patton back. It's sounding right now like they're going to bring this staff back and, and move forward with the continuity on it. I think that's a great call. I think they would have been hard-pressed to find a better defensive coach on the market. You add in the fact that you're, you're bringing a system back and allowing these young players to, to learn in it and thrive in it. I think that makes a ton of sense. But those quotes, that's what you want to hear from your coach. Big plays, that's what Aaron Rodgers wants. Play fast. Play within a system. Don't just call plays. For too much of last season, it felt like the Packers were just out there calling plays, not running a system. And if that can change, that's the kind of thing that gets your players to buy in. And once they see some of the designs here, once they see this offense work, it's not going to be hard for them to buy in. It didn't take the 49ers long to buy into Kyle Shanahan. It did not take the the Rams long to buy into Sean McVay. And it didn't take them long to implement the changes in that offense. Jared Goff was a different quarterback overnight in that offense. Just think of what Aaron Rodgers could do. And while Aaron Rodgers isn't in the playoffs, the playoffs are here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be the guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the games. Not this year when the 53rd Super Bowl is just around the corner. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, and you can make money during the NFL playoffs when you go to MyBookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus and make sure that you have a nice bankroll for the playoffs. Use promo code LOCKEDON25 when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON25 at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. The reopening is right around the corner and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's bring Michelle on. She is a sports editor and features writer. She she covers the NFL all over the internet, just like I do. Ozzy, Bleacher Report, Packers Wire. You can follow her on Twitter at Michelle Bruton, B-R-U-T-O-N. Michelle, the soothsayer, welcome back on Locked on Packers. Yeah, I mean, it was easy to fit into my schedule because I already knew you were going to ask me before you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get to that because you wrote for Packers Wire just mere hours before it was announced that the Packers were set to hire Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur that the Packers should, in fact, make this hire. So for those who haven't read the piece, go read it. But state your case. Make your case why this makes sense for Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. And I, not to be pedantic, but I will point out, I think it was actually like four days ago that the piece was published, but I was on the Pack-A-Day podcast this morning where I further made my case. So I've really just been making a, a large, building a large body of work. Um, putting we don't, we don't acknowledge that podcast on the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, just kidding. Andy, everyone there, we love you guys. Yeah. So, yeah, so I wrote this piece. It was my inaugural piece for uh, Packers Wire, which Zach Cruz was um, gracious enough to hire me to begin writing for. And basically, a lot of people on Twitter had been asking me why I was high on Matt LaFleur. So sort of rather than respond to a bunch of different people on Twitter, I thought that I would just write a piece about it and kind of give people a sense of where I was coming from. And so I think, you know, a lot of this for me actually started – at the beginning of this year in the fall, I was writing an article for Aussie.com about sort of Sean McVay's offensive system and how it was going to, where it came from, you know, with links to the Mike Shanahan tree and sort of how it was going to further kind of um, pollinate the NFL this year. And obviously, we already see similar things going on in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. And we knew that, especially with um, Mike Vrabel being a defensive minded head coach, we knew that we'd see something similar for LaFleur and the Titans this year. And so once Mike McCarthy was let go by the Packers, obviously the Titans weren't doing so hot. Um, I think they performed a lot worse this year than a lot of people expected them to. But as I sort of wrote about in their article, many of the reasons for that are kind of outside of LaFleur's control. Um, you know, they they lost, um, you know, Mariota wasn't necessarily healthy. Um, Walker was lost for the whole season. Their offensive line ranked 29th in the NFL in pass protection. So outside of all of those factors, once Mike McCarthy was fired, I was still really high on the floor. And I figured that they would probably make Philbin the interim coach, which obviously they did. Um, But I really hoped that they would sort of, rather than go with someone who, in my eyes, had made mistakes in the past, which 
some of the other candidates, namely McDaniels, had. Um, I was really hoping they would kind of, you know, charge into the unknown with someone like LaFleur, who obviously hasn't been proven as a head coach, but who has so many great qualities, um, which I'm sure we will expand into as we discuss him. Yeah, so this was one of those things that I was always trying to parse with with Matt LaFleur because we know the experience that he has with some of these really highly respected and highly successful football coaches, pardon the Mike McCarthy reference, but I mean, we're talking about Gary Kubiak, who's a Super Bowl winning coach, Mike Shanahan, who's a Super Bowl winning coach, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, who are considered, if not two of the two preeminent offensive minds in the game right now. Uh, you know, obviously all due respect to Andy Reid. It, it is, it is pretty, um, it's pretty clear the, the path here for him to be successful, but are there any concerns from you that this is a guy who, you know, is more a product of his environment than, than someone that can bring that to a team like Green Bay? Yeah, so that's, you know, that's obviously the big question with him, right, is how much of this is sort of um, preeminence by association and how much of this does he sort of earn on his own with his own kind of offensive mind. Um, So I think just first of all, just really digging into what that pedigree means, sort of coming from this Mike Shanahan tree, which in turn comes from the Gruden kind of West Coast schemes. Um, I think all those elements, assuming that um, LaFleur kind of keeps and installs them will be really beneficial to what the Packers already run and the talent they already have, because you've got zone running and play action. You've got using the running backs in the receiving game. You've got bunch formations, um, plays that can open up receivers. So all of those things I think really fit the Packers offense as it currently exists really well. But the thing I love about Matt LaFleur, which you actually brought up, Peter, tonight you tweeted, you found an old quote of his talking about how you can't just get into a rhythm of calling plays just to call plays. You have to always be thinking about how to maximize your offense. Um, and you have to kind of give your players sort of a blueprint so that they kind of know they've been running these same types of plays and they can take a lot of the guesswork out of it and just go out there and do their jobs. And so I really think that obviously we haven't quite seen it. He did call the plays for the first time ever in his career this year for the Titans. Again, this was such a weird season for all of the injuries And it's kind of, he changed a lot of things around that offense to kind of maximize Mariota, which I think also is a a good indication that he's willing to, you know, build around Rogers talent and his, um, his preferences rather than sort of voice something new upon him. But I think that what that indicates to me is that his head's in the right place. He has ideas that are the right ideas for how he wants this offense to look. It's just a matter of when it comes down to the nitty gritty can he call plays more effectively than Mike McCarthy? Yeah, and and that I love that point about the adjustment and his ability to do that and and to make those changes because too often what we have in the NFL is a coach says, this is the offense I run and this is what we're going to run and we need to get players in here who can run it. And that can work. And it did for a long time with Mike McCarthy. But if you go back through Matt LaFleur's history, what they did in Washington, he was there, the quarterback's coach for Robert Griffin III, his rookie season, and they totally revamped the Washington mm-hmm. offense to fit Robert Griffin's skill set. And they made the Atlanta offense look different 
with the running backs that they were able to to develop in that system. And obviously we know, you know, the Rams, none of these offense quite look the same. They all look right. a little bit different. And so it's not like he's bringing just one perspective. He's bringing all these perspectives. And, and if he can somehow distill the essences of a lot of these different concepts into a, a cohesive system of his own, I think it's pretty clear where the upside is here. I'm curious to see, and, and obviously you feel this way, but I think if you look at all of the candidates that were out there, I, I had said that I think the two with the most upside potential that were realistic were Matt LaFleur and Josh McDaniels. And I'm, I'm curious if, if you agree in terms of what this offense can look like. Yeah, I think, first of all, I, just, I totally agree with, with everything you just said about how he's been sort of flexible. I mean, he has... He has a style of offense that he has sort of come up running. And luckily for him and for the Packers, and obviously part of why they hired him, is that is the style of offense that is kind of taking the NFL by storm right now. But when he came into Tennessee, he took elements of the Falcons and Rams offenses that he liked, that he thought would work. And he certainly brought those into the playbook, but he wasn't sort of forcing a square peg into a round hole. He, Like we were saying, he was really trying to maximize the talent that they already had there, which, by the way, that talent, aside from Corey Davis, not so much. You know, I think he is going to be working with, you know, potentially the most talented group maybe since the Falcons. I think obviously that Falcons Super Bowl team was stacked, but um, the Rams obviously have a lot of players now, but they didn't quite when he was there. And I think mm -hmm. coming in with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and being able just just the, those two alone, not even getting into everyone else like that, he has so much potential with for like a Matt Ryan, Julio Jones situation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I've been careful as much as I'm trying to um, kind of advocate for what I believe is a really good hire in Matt LaFleur. I'm trying not to like bash any of the other choices. So I've tried to be careful about this, but I actually, I never really saw the upside of Josh McDaniels. Um, I was very, very concerned the whole time when he was leading the odds, when I was hearing reports that he was the favorite, I was very concerned. I just, you know, I think if he takes over as head coach in New England, he'll be good. If he does end up with the Browns, great. But I just don't think he's a fit with this organization specifically. Um, you know, just the way that he came in in Denver and totally, totally alienated Cutler, ended up trading him. Um, the Broncos were then caught cheating when they videotaped the Dolphins practice in London in 2010. Um, and actually, Andy Herman brought up a really good point when we spoke about how now that Green Bay has sort of this triangle of power situation going where both the GM and the head coach report to Mark Murphy, I actually think that's a situation where Josh McDaniels would have been ripe for trying to flex his muscle or exert too much power. Um, I like the idea that Lafleur and Gudekinst are almost more like peers in the sense that they're both coming into these newer roles that they've earned and worked their way up towards. And I hope that they can develop a relationship of respect and sort of mutually inform one another of what they want to be running on the field and the talent they're going to need to do it. I'm glad you brought up this this triangle in in the Green Bay organizational structure <laughs> because um, there have been reports that um, Lafleur's not just willingness but perhaps desire and and reportedly his desire to keep Mike Pettin or that Pettin was one of his preferred defensive coordinator candidates really sold the Packers here. Uh, I, I think is potentially interesting and I, I don't think we should overstate 
that importance. I don't think it was something like, oh, well, he thought Patton should be the defensive coordinator was willing to keep him. So he got the job. I don't think that's the case. But I do think when you look at uh, the big vision here, that having a cohesive vision for what this team ought to look like is important. Uh, I wonder from your perspective, what you think the advantage here is of keeping Mike Patton and, and do you think that's the right call? Yeah, I think, um, so obviously we don't know going candidate by candidate who exactly didn't want to keep the defensive staff, but we do know that, um, LaFleur was one of the only candidates who did. So by process of elimination, I think we can maybe assume that someone like McDaniels did not, like some of the other candidates did not. Um, and so I think right off the bat, you know, reading between the lines a little bit, but I think what that tells you based on everything else we know about LaFleur is that he is someone who's not sort of recklessly throwing around his ego, um, who wants to come in and kind of put his own stamp on everything. I think he wants to be a little bit more measured in the sense that he wants to, you know, take the pieces that are working rather than do a complete overhaul just to do an overhaul um, and then work within the framework of what he can change. And so I think that extends to things beyond the coaching staff. I think it might suggest something about how his relationship with Aaron Rodgers will be, although um, we have heard sort of uh, testimonials from from previous players that he will hold him accountable, which I think is good. You know, I don't know that you want him to be a player's coach. But yeah, in terms of the defensive staff specifically, I think I'm really glad that the Packers went with an offensive-minded head coach. I was really nervous about someone like Brian Flores just because I, I mean, look at the Titans. Like Mariota is going to be on his fifth offensive coordinator Mm. um, or fourth in five years, and they have a defensive-minded head coach. So he's going to have to learn an entirely new system. Um, So with the Packers, you know, at least if you have an offensive-minded head coach coming in, if he wants to say, hey, Patton, I trust you to basically be the head coach of the defense and – do on that side of the ball what you need to do. And I'm going to focus on the offense. I'm okay with that. I mean, I know that people weren't thrilled with um, Patton's sort of play calling and um, kind of the small revision. I don't think he necessarily overhauled the defense this year. I think that it's still a work in progress. And I don't think he really had the talent he needed, quite honestly. Um, But I also think that, you know, in the NFL, every time you change up a staff, you're just creating potentially another lost year of adjustment. And so giving someone the opportunity to readjust, having a new draft come in and then give them a chance to maximize the new talent they'll get next year, I think is a smart move. And I'm, I'm glad that he's showing that he's not sort of a reckless person. Yeah, it, it is also interesting to me that when you go back and look at the major head coaching hires of the last 20 years for the Packers, um, with the exception of railroads, they were all about the same age, late thirties, early forties. All of them were offensive coaches and two of them, Matt LaFleur and Mike Holmgren were high school math teachers. <laughs> I don't know if that, if that means anything, but that is a, a real thing that is true about those candidates. So if, if Matt LaFleur has half the success that Mike Holmgren had in green Bay, I think fans will be awfully happy with this decision. Yes. Michelle, thank you for coming back. Unlocked on Packers, uh, you are you are neck and neck with with Jason Hershorn, another <laughs> friend of the pod with with most appearances. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to keep the competition going now that you're you're back on the good side, uh, covering the Packers uh, and let people know where they can find all of the uh, obviously excellent work that you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I um, I tweet out all of my work at Michelle Bruton on Twitter, B R U T O N. Um, I'm writing for a few different outlets right now. 
including Packers Wire, Bleacher Report, and Ozzy. So um, some cool stuff coming, some columns and some exclusive features and interviews, um, which I don't want to share details on now because those interviews can always fall apart. But uh, there should be some really cool features coming out around um, Super Bowl time. Outstanding. Sounds good. We will have you back uh, very soon, I hope. Great. Thank you. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, that's what throw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to thank Michelle again for joining the show. Some great insight there. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow. Jason Hershorn is going to join the podcast, and we are going to dive deep into Matt LaFleur, who he is, where he came from, what he brings to this team. And we're going to be doing that all week. A lot to get to, a lot to discuss. So if you didn't, Yesterday was Make a Friend Monday. So if you didn't do that, because I didn't mention it, and that's my bad. So today is going to be Tell a Friend Tuesday. So we're not going to do it every week, but we missed Make a Friend Monday. So it's Tell a Friend Tuesday. Tell a friend about Locked On Packers and let them get in on all of the action here in the Locked On Packers community. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski been doing a lot of tweeting about all of this if you want the the quickest reaction to everything that's going on with the Packers that is the best place for it I've also been more active with the Locked On Packers Twitter account so follow them at Locked On Packers for everything we're we're tweeting we're we're really trying to be more engaged in 2019 new year new social account and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341- 3775. Matt LaFleur, the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Just another reason for you to stay locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.